We have the pleasure today of having Dr. Joel Furman as our guest, and he will be a keynoter at the Aero Conference this year. And just by way of introduction, uh, some people, in, most people in the Aero Network already know about this, but three and a half years ago, I had a heart attack, and one of our readers sent me uh, a book by Dr. Joel Furman. And uh, basically, I read the book and I said, okay, I'm in. You know, if you follow this thing, you're going you're gonna to get healthy. And so, uh, I, since that time, I've lo- lost 30 pounds. Uh, I'm not on any um, medication at this point. And my, my uh, total cholesterol is 130. My blood pressure is 115 over 70. Uh, and actually, one of... Table tennis championship for my age level this year, national championship. And so uh, I just am so pleased that Dr. Furman is going to be able to be a presenter at the Aero Conference this year. And so welcome, Dr. Furman. Thank you, Jerry. I'm excited to talk to you today and to be at the conference. Yeah, well, it's, it's, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Um, I want to uh, start by asking you, um, you were originally pretty much a regular practitioner, family practitioner, is that right? I am a board-certified family physician, but I, you know, for more than 25 years, but I went to medical school with a specific intent to specialize in nutritional medicine. So I've always combined my nutritional expertise with my family practice education. I see. And so you already had that as part of your plan, even from the beginning. Absolutely. I always, um, you know, I, I went to medical school because I was excited about the fact that people don't have to have heart attacks and strokes. And we have a nutritional science has made advances so we can win the war on cancer. We can reverse autoimmune disease. We can get rid of migraines, fibromyalgia. You know, that's what I'm saying right now is nutritional science and nutritional interventions are not just safer but they're more effective than medical care, than medicines. And people can totally make complete recoveries from illnesses rather than take medications the rest of their life. And still be sick, and still remain sick and suffering too, of course. <laughs> uh, you know, we had uh, another physician once as a keynote, uh, Patch Adams. Have you ever met him? I have met him, actually. He, was, um, he went to my medical school, and, he was, uh, um, and I met him personally. He's a very funny guy. Yes, he is. <laughs> he, 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 we had a, a huge number of people that came to see him up in, when we had our conference up in Albany. Um, and uh, he, he's, he's really great. I, I actually knew him from back when he was working on setting up a, a community in West Virginia with, a, with an alternative school as part of it. Now, uh, what do you think? I, I, met, I met him back in the 1980s, I uh-huh. think it was, about 30 years ago. What, what connection do you see between alternative education and alternative nutrition? Well, don't forget, um, I don't consider myself an alternative practitioner. I, cons- I consider that this is the way all doctors should be practicing. It's conservative. It's progressive. It's that when people get sick with diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, dietary excellence should be the first route in which people are changing to get well because these are dietary caused diseases. The fact that you go to doctors and they give you drugs for dietary-induced diseases is barbaric, and it kills people needlessly. So um, what I'm saying is the way conventional care is, is incorrect care. It's dangerous care. 
It's care that's not consistent with the science that's out there, that the, the overwhelming evidence. So, like, to call what I do alternative is to kind of like, um, you know, it's not a, it's not the term I like to I like to consider. I consider nutrition that every doctor should be utilizing nutritional excellence in their practice. But I also think it should be reading, writing, and arithmetic all throughout your your all through your schooling, from grade school to high school to college, because. The most critical thing that affects our brain function, whether we're depressed, whether we get demented when we get older, whether we get cancer or not, whether we're suffering with kidney dialysis, get, uh, get horrible disease and get leg amputations or have strokes and put in nursing homes, it's what we put in our mouth. It's the foods we choose to eat each day that determines the, the um, traje- trajectory of our life and whether we're healthy or sick. So the fact that people commit suicide with food and then you consider somebody like me who's advocating excellent nutrition to be alternative is just, it's almost like, um, I, I just, it's not, it's not accurate enough. You know I, I, I mean? think, I think I set you up for that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because Jung Zahn, who is uh, our keynoter for us uh, out in, in uh, Portland, Oregon, uh, said, I don't know why you call it alternative education. Uh, you're the, you should be the real education. So. <laughs> Right. It's, it's, it's really, we really need nutritional education to be at the cornerstone of every educational program at every school in the country. Because right now, you know, one of my books, the title of my recent book actually is called Fast Food Genocide. And it discusses that not only are we creating the epidemic of cancers and heart disease and strokes and dementia, but also now one in five Americans are mentally ill. And major depression and anxiety is, is, a, is a major source of medical, medical care in this country. And it's linked back to what we eat. And, and commercial baked goods and fast foods cause depression. In, in other words, two servings a week increase the risk of developing depression by more than 50%. Even moderate consumption of fast foods and baked goods destroy the brain. And these foods also set the stage for later life dementia and loss of intelligence. What what I'm saying right now is it's not just heart attack and stroke and obesity and diabetes. We're talking about mental illness, depression, lack of excitement about life, lack of creativity, and loss of intelligence. The food destroys the brain. And not only that, it destroys the genes. It damages the genes which we pass on to future generations. So we have an explosion of of autism and, and, and learning disabilities and childhood cancer, you know, what do you think motivates people in the fast food industry to sell us this really sort of poisonous stuff? Businesses and industries exist to make a profit. And food designers and food scientists, you know, we made food that can be sustained on the battlefield and not rot. So people can take Twinkies and Tang and Spam and, you know, and take food that can sit in a bag or a box and not get bad for six months of concentrated calories so people can put it in their backpack where they're fighting a war. And after World War II, these cheap foods that the government developed for wartime use became so inexpensive and had such long shelf life that they became very profitable. And, made, and the profits on processed foods and, and, and fast food and and packaged foods with long shelf life is much greater than the, pra- than the profits available by selling fresh produce and foods that have a short shelf life or limited shelf life. So now, so of course, it just became more profitable and it became cheaper for people to be able to afford to eat these foods. But they designed to make people attract, be attracted to them. And they've been designed by food scientists to get people addicted to them. And they get people addicted by, by affecting the brain, by affecting brain function. Now, I wonder if you could go into that a little bit, because I have had trouble explaining to people that it is kind of an addiction that they have. 
Well, there's about, there's three different issues here. Number one is that when you take in concentrated calories that flood the bloodstream so rapidly, it, it signals dopamine release in the brain. It stimulates the brain, and the brain becomes dopamine insensitive after, after years of eating these concentrated calories. So you require larger amounts of calories to get the same high. So when you take in opiates or cocaine or heroin, you know, or, or narcotics, you get the same kind of dopamine high in the brain, but it's the, it's the caloric concentration. When you're eating oils and donuts and cookies and candy and sweets, it, you can flood the, the body with a 25 to 100 calories a minute. When you take beans and nuts and vegetables, you get about two or three calories coming in per minute. You know, the cal calories come in much slower. So it's the rush of calories into the bloodstream. Also, it's the spike of insulin that rises very rapidly when sugar's into the bloodstream so rapidly because that, that sugar and the insulin raising up in the bloodstream has an effect to, to affect brain function. But nevertheless, it's not just that. It's also that when you stop imbibing in something that's bad for you, because when you, build, when you eat a diet that's low in, in micronutrients and phytochemicals and antioxidants that enable the body to keep its level of toxicity low, when you take a diet that's, that's not healthy and not getting your micronutrient needs met, then you build up more metabolic wastes and toxins in the tissues. And then when you stop eating for a few hours... It's when you're in the non-digesting state after you maybe three or four hours after a meal where the body can more effectively repair and remove toxins from its tissues. So in the repair process of removing toxins, you get to withdrawal symptoms. You get a headache, you get shakes, you feel fatigue, you feel stomach cramping, you feel weakness. So people mistakenly think the weakness and fatigue and the headaches and the shakiness and the, and the ill feelings, they think it's hunger. And they have to overeat calories to eat again to relieve those uncomfortable symptoms. And they're withdrawal symptoms. Like, it's like cutting out on 10 cups of coffee a day. You stop drinking coffee, you get headaches. If you're smoking cigarettes, it's when you stop smoking the cigarettes that you feel uncomfortable. When your diet is unhealthy, the more unhealthy it is, the more uncomfortable you're going to feel when you're not digesting food. The lower the nutritional quality of your diet, the more you're driven to overeat calories, the more that you're driven to eat too frequently and too much to maintain, it's just to feel okay. That's, that's amazing. And of course, when you go out to any public place these days, to me, I'm just shocked at the number of overweight people there are. Well, almost all Americans are overweight. You know, the, the, see, the government says 70% are overweight or obese, which is not true because they, they do that because they consider a BMI above 25 to be overweight or obese. But the, in all long-lived societies, look at centenarians and longevity studies, we, we consider a BMI above 23 to be unfavorable for your long-term health. When we consider 23 as the demarcation line, not 25, then 89% of Americans are overweight by that criteria. And the 11% that are not overweight, nine out of 9% out of the 11%, the vast majority of those people are in normal weight because they're sickly. They are alcoholics, they smoke cigarettes, they have depression, they have digestive disorders, they have autoimmune conditions, they have occult cancers, they have some, they have some condition keeping them thin. I think that leaves something like 2% of the people that are healthy. <laughs> There's only 2% of Americans are slim because they eat healthy and exercise regularly. 2%. That's incredible. Absolutely incredible. So what, what are your long-term goals for what you're doing and what you would like to see with American education and how do you think you might get there? That's right. My long-term goals are that, um, is that we develop a, a whole system of, of care where people can both have um, medical care and 
and type of aggressive type care for heart disease where people come in and get nutritional therapy as opposed to getting bypass surgery and angioplasty. And that every person in America knows that they don't have to have heart attacks and strokes and they can, they can, not get, they can choose not to get cancer. Every, and they can make it taste delicious too. Everybody in America should know that they don't have to have that nutritional science to make these advances and we can have a better, more quality life and it can be delicious tasting and you don't have to suffer with diseases that plague other Americans, number one. Number two, this type of nutritional knowledge and education should be taught in the school systems, not just in the colleges and the universities and medical schools, but also in the, in the primary schools as well. People should be learning about nutrition as a means of undoing all the damage that's been done over the last 50 years. It's amazing that these things are really not taught in, in medical school. Yeah, but you know what? It's, it's, you would say it's amazing that we don't teach reading in medical school. But the point I'm making is that this is knowledge that everybody has to have out there in the street. You know, we, it's like we can't just be doctors and learn about nutrition. Everybody has everybody, to be educated right. about it. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's not, it's not an issue of the health care provider. I don't see it's a responsibility if somebody has a car accident and they lose their leg or they smash, get their head smashed up. They should go to a doctor. We should be talking to them. They should fix them. The doctor should be there for urgent emergency things. The, our educational system should have taught the people how to eat and how not to smoke cigarettes and not to shoot up with drugs and, not, and that soda is going to kill their brain and that, that sugar and, and, and these foods are going to addict them and lower their intelligence. I mean, we should learn that. We should learn in the school system, not from doctors. You still follow me? What's What's interesting to me is uh, in following your diet, which I've been doing now for more than three years, uh, I don't find that it's any hardship uh, I, for myself. Uh, I don't feel like I'm depriving myself of anything. I eat as much as I want of the things that are on the list, and the things that I'm avoiding. I, I, I not only do I not miss them, but I think it's when I kind of see them, people eating them, it seems kind of gross to me. <laughs> um, that's exactly right. I, I Actually, I look at the stuff people eat and I go, oh, that's so disgusting. How could they possibly put soda in their body? What do you give It's like unbelievable that people can do that stuff. It's like you couldn't take 10 men to tie me down to a chair and force <laughs> that garbage into my mouth. It's like trying to shoot me up with heroin against my will. And, yeah. and, you know, we, and your taste buds adapt and we have such incredible, great tasting recipes and show people how that natural foods can be made to taste just as good. We make ice cream, the most delicious ice cream with frozen banana and macadamia nuts and real vanilla bean powder, not some, not some artificial extracts, but real ground vanilla bean. It tastes unbelievable. Yeah, it's unbelievably delicious. I, I, I make uh, the, uh, the oatmeal, cookie, oatmeal, oatmeal banana cookies here, and that's something that people in my house do like to eat. <laughs> well, I guess what I'm saying is that food, that, that healthy food contains just as delicious and more delicious because when you're healthy, your taste and your smell are actually more acute. And again, because the, the high sugar, high salt American diet dummies down people's taste buds too. So they can't enjoy their, so the food doesn't taste good. They need have more heavily seasoned. So it's all a, a vicious cycle. It's funny, when you say dumbs down, it reminds me of John Gatto's book called Dumbing Us Down, what they do in, in, in public school, which tends to dumb down kids' ability to learn. They're natural learners, but you push stuff at them that they're not interested in or not good for them, and they actually their ability to learn goes down. What do you plan to present at the Aero Conference? Well, I want to show people that these advances in nutritional science can, aren't that difficult to understand. I can really have them understand how that when you take in enough nutrients and fiber, it naturally suppresses your appetite and you no longer want to overeat food anymore. And you actually enjoy eating the right amount of food because instinctually food tastes better because your taste improves 
when you get hungry. So I'm going to show people how to live to be 100 years old without heart disease, without diabetes, without strokes, and without cancer. We have the knowledge right now. We can show people how to do it. We can show them how to make it taste good. They can understand the science involved here. And then should they choose to pursue to learn more, they'll at least know what this is about. So they can choose to say, yep, I want to do that. I want to learn more. That sounds, that's for me. You know what I mean? And, and you know what? It's the people that are the most addicted and most sickly and most because they're, because they're hooked on the junk food that are in the most need of this that probably say, ah, I'm just too, I'd rather just die than change my diet. <laughs> I want to be happy. Right. right, but they're and not so, really happy. No, they they don't understand it because they'll they'll rationalize and they'll say, "Oh, I'll just have a happier life and I'll eat what I feel like eating. I'll enjoy eating more, but I'll die younger." And I'm saying that's not the point. You're not enjoying life life more. That's that's the that's the addiction talking because addiction took over your ability to think. Right, you have irrational excuses when you're an addict, and and you're not enjoying life more. You're enjoying life less. You're not even enjoying food more. But then your life becomes almost like a living hell of suffering when you don't take good care of your health and later later. There's not the point of being alive if you're going to be that sick and uncomfortable. But so this is this is a no brainer. This is education that everybody has to have. And so you got to get people to come and listen, to learn this information and to be able to understand that it's a choice not to have a heart attack or a stroke or get demented. It's a choice not to get cancer and they can make the right choice right now. So so you're going to be at the Aero Conference. The Aero Conference starts June 28th, and you're going to be there all day on the 29th. You'll have a chance to meet with people. You're going to do a workshop, and then you're also going to do a keynote. So this is something we're, we're really looking forward to. And we do have special rates for people in your audience and people who are particularly interested in coming that one day, which we'll announce after, after we're off with you. And uh, so you can stay tuned for that. But we're really, really looking forward to your coming to the Aero Conference. Now, what, what, what is your best-selling book right now? Hmm. I think my best-selling book right now, believe it or not, is called The Eat to Live Cookbook or The Eat to Live Quick and Easy Cookbook. I have two cookbooks, and it's amazing how these cookbooks are selling. You know, it's, I have a book, The End of Diabetes, The End of Heart Disease, and my latest book, um, fast food genocide, which I thought would really blow it out. But it seems like if you're going to ask me to, to be honestly, what's really selling the best, it's amazing that the cookbook is actually selling the best, you know? Wow. Do you, do you think, uh, do you find there are restaurants that are trying to get a hold of your recipes to kind of base what they're doing? Are there some new restaurants like that? Oh, oh yeah. That's really cool. Is there some restaurants opening up? Yeah. There's a, I just got back from Aspen. There's a restaurant in Aspen, Colorado called the Pyramid Bistro that serves all my recipes and vegetarian food from Chef Martin Oswald. It's fantastic. There's restaurants in California. There's in New York City. But there's, there, there's a lot of restaurants. And even hotels are now contacting me to utilize my recipes and my incredible you know, gourmet healthy foods as part of their like spa menu and stuff for health, for health reversal in the, some of these um, healthy hotels. So that's exciting. Yeah. I know that my, the chiropractor that I see actually is cooking for people using your, uh, your recipes. <laughs> that's part of what she does, you know. And uh, so, so this is really spreading. I've, I was really interested to see, for example, we had a regional conference in Connecticut a couple of weeks ago, and a lot of people uh, knew about you and what you were doing. One person said, oh, yes, my mother is following his plan, da-da-da-da. So, so uh, I think that it is spreading. And so you have your mission. We have ours. We want to see the education revolution. And at our conference, we're going to have a chance to see those things merge. Absolutely. Sounds fantastic. 
Okay, well, thank you very much for being with us today. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to our audience about this. And if people just stay tuned afterwards, we're going to give you a way that you can get a special arrangement to come and see Dr. Furman at the ERA conference. Well, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Best of health to you and all your listeners. Oh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing you and uh, meeting you again. Well, I hope everybody really enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Joel Furman. I certainly did. It was wonderful having a chance to talk to him. He's so passionate, and I can't wait to, uh, to see him at the conference and see what we can do together. So those people who would like to come uh, for the one day uh, to the uh, conference to, to see the workshops and so on that we have there to see his workshop and his keynote. We have a special arrangement. Right now, it's the only way you can go for just a single day to the Aero Conference. Uh, and th- that is, if you go to the website, uh, aeroconference.org, and go to the regular adult fees, which are now $250. And if you put the code in as you check out, Furman, F-U-H-R-M-A-N, it will knock the price down to $99. And so that's all you would have to pay to go to the Aero Conference, and you would have your registration taken care of. So this is something we're doing in honor of Dr. Furman for those people who are particularly interested in hearing him speak. And if you have any further questions about this, you can always contact us uh, directly from the website at info at educationrevolution.org. So again, uh, just go to the Aero Conference registration, adult registration fees, and on checkout, you type in the code FURMAN, F-U-H-R-M-A-N, and we'll knock the fees down to $99 for the Aero Conference. Uh, the Aero Conference itself is going to be at Long Island University post-campus from June 28th to July 1st. And for those people who want to know who else is going to be there, well, of course, we have A.S. Neal, who is the founder of Summerhill. Uh, his grandson, Henry, who is a staff member at Summerhill now, is coming over from England to do a keynote, and we also have Dave Lehman, who is the founder of what is now called the Lehman Alternative Community School, a public alternative in Ithaca, New York, and we have people from various homeschool programs, including the one that hosted our regional last week in, uh, at Workspace in Connecticut. They're going to be coming and doing presentations, as will... Uh, Ken Danford, who has North Star Homeschool Resource Center pro- uh, program in Massachusetts. And uh, then we're just about to announce uh, Gina Riley's uh, presentation, which will be about unschooling. And, of course, Pat Montgomery is coming, the founder of Clon Lara, uh, 50 years ago, and uh, the home-based education program, the first really umbrella first umbrella program for homeschoolers. So there's just so much stuff that's going on at this conference. I haven't even scratched the surface. There's going to be 25 other workshops beyond that, including one that I'll be doing on how to start a new school. So hopefully we'll see you all at the Aero Conference. Uh, anybody who is listening to this podcast can go ahead and sign up at this rate, and you'll be able to go to the conference. Nice talking to you. <laughs>